Third World Cinema Club. Hello guys, welcome to Third World Cinema Club. I'm John Tawasel from Present Confusion. I'm Princess Kina of Film Police Reviews. And we have two very special guests for uh, mm-hmm. uh, tonight. Um, please, uh, I guess, please introduce yourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> please give a round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this is a work from home special. So again, I'm speaking in English because I have friends here in the environment for doing their calls. I have to be very fluent in English as well. <laughs> and for Bradley's sake, of, of yes. course. <laughs> okay, so tell us more about yourselves, guys. Who are you? Brad. <laughs> oh, hi. So my name is Bradley Liu. I'm, uh, I'm or, well, I'm originally from Malaysia, but I spent my entire adult, almost my entire adult life here in Manila. And I'm a film producer, director, writer. And um, here today, we're going to discuss, I think, The Tapes, uh, a series created by uh, Dodo Dayao and myself. And uh, Dodo Dayao, on over to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Dodo Dayao. I'm a filmmaker. I'm a scriptwriter. and used to be a film blogger. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I, the most recent work I did was with Brad. We co-created and wrote uh, the tapes together. It's an I want series, so yeah. Yes, so there you go. And that's it. <laughs> okay. And thank you very much. A round of applause. You. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Thank you, so, thank audience. You so much for, <laughs> thank you so much for um, coming here. Welcome here. Usually. <laughs> okay, so we usually do this in coffee shops and other secret places, but due to the okay, that's my dog. So due to the um uh, situation, uh, we chose to hold this on a Skype call. So if you guys have any questions or concerns, feel free to tweet us or chat us about this episode. Okay, so first item on the list, uh, we actually want to know how you guys are doing in your current um situation. Um, you know, in the current situation here in the Philippines, um, despite the screenings of the tapes being done via I want, I believe um, for Brad, you actually had a screening of Motelakasha, which was your last film. Sorry, yes. forgive my dog. <laughs> Very excited. So, to listen. <laughs> that's fine. So yeah, so um, actually, it, it's a it was a bit tough because um, uh, like the week before uh, the, the lockdown was initiated, we had both premieres of the tapes, which was supposed to be in, in, in a cinema. We did like a special um, 100-minute version of the tapes that was with a full cinema mix ready to be screened in the cinema for a big premiere. And that got mm-hmm. cancelled, of course, due to safety reasons. And then, of course, uh, Motel Akash's premieres as well. And, and I think John has seen one version of, of the film, but yeah. we actually did a whole recut and uh, ex- uh, recut version with new sound and everything in anticipation for the local release and and that premiere got um cancelled as well um mm-hmm. so it was a it was a pretty uh devastating week and then of course um because of the close proximity to the release date the cinemas would not let us pull the film out so the film had mm-hmm. to start in cinemas already and of course that only lasted about uh four or five days before i think the mall started closing already so so it was uh, <laughs> as bad as you can get, mm-hmm. I guess. 
uh, Bradley, do you think, ano, do you think after the end of the quarantine, would yeah. would uh, Motel Akasha be returned to cinemas? I, I I think so. I I think for sure because um, uh, the amount of money that uh, ABS and Black Sheep put into the marketing, I I think they they would have to kind of push in a, a little bit more to try and get it re-released. And I think the cinema is okay with Naman because they understand it, it the situation, which is right. unpre- unprecedented, I guess. Oh, I see. Well, okay. So before we go with the harder questions, um, <laughs> I believe you two are also part of the Lockdown Cinema Club um, initiative. So could you tell us a little bit more about uh, this initiative and how far you guys have gone along from sharing, just sharing short films to helping out our friends in the film industry? Yeah, well, we it, it really started with Carl Chavez, who's also mm-hmm. a filmmaker and a producer. He got us friends and uh, colleagues to donate short films initially for it for to, to just share it with people during the quarantine mm-hmm. but he thought of also asking for donations for health workers mm-hmm. uh, that that was the first iteration of lockdown it didn't it didn't even have a name back then mm-hmm. and my participation there and I think Brad also in, was involved in that because we both gave films. Mm-hmm. If You Leave was part of the first volume and uh, Brad Shorts, which I bookmarked, but, and, but I haven't seen yet. <laughs> but it's a very I early short. <laughs> yeah. So th- that was sort of like the extent of my involvement. And then I was, uh, Carl asked me and Camille, Camille mm-hmm. Aragona was also a line producer and an AD, right. uh, asked if I would program the next volume, but this time it was supposed to help uh, film workers, like the displaced mm-hmm. film workers, meaning the staff and the crew. Uh, not us, but not the filmmakers, but the rest of the staff who, who sort of like work on a daily basis, they, who got displaced. Because a lot of, uh, uh, it was a blanket shutdown of all productions. I mean, a week into or a few days into the lockdown. All mm-hmm. all shoots were shut down, and so a lot of the a lot of people who were who had projects suddenly didn't have jobs. So that was the initiative, but it was still the same format. We would still curate uh, short films from friends and colleagues. So mm-hmm. my involvement became more as a programmer, uh, together with Pam Miras, and we were sort of collating. Fr- uh, Films initially just friends' films, but since in, you know we were talking about how small this industry is, mm-hmm. so we know everybody. So we were able to get like films from early films from Quark, from mm-hmm. Love, from Ekmati, JP Habak. We were because we all knew each other, and it was just a matter of uh, a message away. Plus, a lot of filmmakers like King Palisok mm-hmm. and Villanuna actually message us separately and ask if they could like give their films as pledges for the drive. So that, that that's when it started. And and we just launched a third volume now. It's all features. Wow. So there are eight films. I think it just got launched like a few minutes ago online. Mm-hmm. So you had eight films, eight or nine films. I'm not quite sure. 
sorry, but I I did the whole I, I wrote I wrote the post, but uh, I keep forgetting. But we had we have a film by Love, which I think nobody says nobody or very few people have seen. It's a, we it's wish a, it's this one. Yeah, it's an elegy to the visitor from the revolution. Mm. It's from okay. 2011. He made it as sort of like it wasn't commissioned, but he made it. To be part of uh, the Dot Mob Festival Dot back Mob. then, yeah, that I was the last. That. that was the last. That was the I last. I think that Dot was Mob. the first one, the first uh, love I've seen, and the yeah. last Dot Mob I've seen. Yeah, that was the last <laughs> Dot Mob. But it was it was shown in UP just one time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So and and I it, I think it's it's one of those like uh, I wouldn't want to call it the lost film, but I I think it's not much seen it hasn't been seen much by too many people so that's yeah. interesting it stars actually it stars Sigrid Bernardo among others <laughs> so there's sort of like uh, it's, it's an interesting it's interesting uh, film and we, we have like Jim DeBeer's Tribu Jet Lake's first film Express is also part of this new batch that we released uh-huh. and Quark's Rock and Roll Rock and Roll uh-huh. Rock and Roll <laughs> Rock and roll. He, yeah, he he contributed that as well, and there are a few more. Uh, Keith Sikats Alimuom, mm-hmm. so it's a part of this batch. So yeah, we're doing features now, and and the the uh, and imagine again expand the number of beneficiaries. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling this will go on and on until until the all clear. So there mm-hmm. may be more. We are already curating for future volumes. There are a lot of films being sent to us already. So maybe down the line we'll start announcing as well. And there are a lot of little satellite events that will happen over the next few weeks or days, like announcements, or more films to watch, but sort of collaborations with other groups. So, yeah. Okay. Um, for the uh, long- on Cinema Club, um, has this also expanded? Because I saw, uh, I think in volume two, you guys also had um, short films from uh, Malaysia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot to say that. Yeah, from you, Southeast Asia. Do you, uh, do you guys also have... The first, uh, the first volume, I think. It was even the first volume, volume had, yeah. had... Yes, yes. Ten films. Well, Brad you, was there. But there were a you, lot of others. I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, yes. uh, I... I just wanted to know if you also have um, vi- viewers from other Southeast Asian countries. Has there other been uh, producers or f- um, filmmakers like yourself who wanted to join in the initiative, or is it just uh, so far just within the the Philippines? Or no, we have. Uh, we have yeah. oh, Brad, sorry. No, I, I think uh, what Carl tried to do at, at first was to kind of like call his friends basically i mean yes. because in very infancy of the, of the stage like he just reached out who to whoever he could he could uh find it and call has made a lot of contacts internationally especially since he was part of the asian film academy and of course naturally meeting a lot of international filmmakers as he went along his career mm-hmm. and I, I guess it all started that way like so the contributions are, are mostly from you know filmmakers of of a certain generation uh, for especially the first volume of a you know, like uh, below 30 years old kind of thing, a very young kind of cinema voice coming from Cambodia, coming from Myanmar, um, maybe one or two from Indonesia as well. I'm not so sure about Indonesia, but I know there's Myanmar and Cambodia. So 
in, in that aspect, I, I guess it's it's them also kind of helping Carl out and helping the community out. But um, I, I I don't know. I I think it's a great program that could then you know like push into the other parts of Southeast Asia if it would be possible because I'm sure the industry not just here is affected but but industry in the whole region if not the whole world has been affected and again like this this, this program is really targeted not for you know the, the 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 director writer that's sitting in the house and you know thinking of what to do next it's more for like you know the the carpenter the grip the, the the utility guy who gets his coffee every morning you know mm-hmm. stuff like that where where people who really live hand to mouth and and they really need the work and and you know as with a lot of industries um uh, immediately all all financial uh, financial avenues to them has been totally shut down because of uh, of the pandemic i see okay well uh Congratulations and kudos. We I, we also hope that there are a lot of uh, more donations coming, um, especially yeah, yeah, since, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's in these dire times, you know, um, this community is the only one that can actually help out each other as well. Yeah. So, so there. <laughs> John, yeah. hello. Would hello. you like to introduce the next question for level two? <laughs> ah, level two. Level two. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question is yeah. <laughs> um, there is this one uh, to actually to both of you the question this question is from uh, our our fellow clubmate DJ this uh, question is um, what do you what do you predict will happen to cinemas and cinema goers after the quarantine period as in, would everyone be excited to go out and watch movies, or do you think uh, people will just people will keep staying at home, or there might be some kind of, parang uh, maybe some kind of thought na if if uh, maybe not go to the cinema first because it's a crowded place uh, or something like that. Um, how do you think things will turn out in cinema in the next, in the following months uh, after this uh, lockdown is completed? Well, uh, that's a hard one. To... <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I want to be very optimistic. I want to, I want to say that you know, once the lockdown is over, people will will, will seek you know the, the, their happiness in on their norm of life and go back to the cinemas and go out and do things again. But I don't think. That will really be the case. I, I think we are not at the height of the pandemic yet. I think things are definitely going to get worse. I have a horrible feeling that um, even after the implemented government lockdowns are lifted, I, I still have a feeling that, uh, I mean, until the vaccine is, is found and distributed around the world, I have a feeling that people are going to be very conservative. Um, mm-hmm. With, with their daily lives and and rightly so especially mm. since uh the lack of availability of testing and 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 correct me if i'm wrong with the system of our healthcare here is that if you are sick with covid-19 and you are just a regular person and you go to the hospital and i know field health covers a bit of the testing but if you're in the hospital and the medical fees come in 
are, are you the one bearing the cost of your own medical fees? Uh, I think it depends on what test they'll do for you. I'm not entirely sure. Like in a um, in a hospitalization of a patient with COVID nineteen, what part of that hospitalization is covered by PhilHealth? Because uh, I don't. I'm not sure if PhilHealth has released uh, like guidelines yeah. for that. Yeah. Since this yeah. is a very new illness. That's super scary because I think that's another reason why a lot of people are probably not even, you know, going out and, and telling people that they are sick. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the, the thought of, of, you know, if, if the virus doesn't kill me physically, it's going to kill me financially. And, yeah. and who's going to, you know, help these people out? So yeah, I, uh, just just to summarize my the, my thoughts on, on the issue, I I, I don't think it's going to get much. But I don't think it's going to be a flocking of people back to the cinemas. Yeah. So I, I think we are we are still in a little bit of trouble. Although yeah. I am quite optimistic about um, the production uh, system, and and we're definitely going to make more stuff. It's just the modes of exhibition might might be more towards the digital side at the moment. Yeah, I agree might be more towards like streaming services or, or mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Additionally, uh, when I read this question by DJ, I, I'm reminded of what happened in Hong Kong in mm. the mid-2000s during the SARS epidemic. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, people were also locked down in their homes and no one really went out and production halted. I mean, yeah. Hong Kong cinema has been on a downturn since the 90s but the SARS epidemic just like hastened um, the the industry there and I don't think it's recovered since and I, I sincerely hope that doesn't happen here in the Philippines yeah I don't remember the SARS because I just got graduated elementary I think <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> me too just... <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys but... talking about? <laughs> I just graduated elementary school. <laughs> no, but yeah, you know, I, 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 on the film enthusiast side, I think it's good. It's gonna be sad that nobody's gonna go to cinemas anymore because of this. I mean, my because... optimistic answer to that is, mm. but I, just, I, I have no. This is the first time we all experiencing this kind of pandemic at this scale. Yeah. So uh, That's right. I, I, I'm, I'm more or less, Brad and I are more or less on the same page on mm-hmm. the pessimistic side of things. That this might not, it, this is going to take a while and it might not be, uh, it, not, it might not be back to normal as we know it. But uh, uh, my optimistic answer is, I, I always, I always, I remember something my my father told me a few years ago, because uh, mm-hmm. he was a kid during World War Two, mm-hmm. and the immediately day after the war ended, peacetime started. Everybody started going out, and the movies was a big, big part of of people sort of like celebrating the end of war. But, but that's an optimistic, super optimistic answer. I mean, it could happen, but it's unlikely because this is not necessarily the same thing. Because, I mean, the, uh, cinema is the first thing you would think of 
when you think of pandemics as a hotspot. So mm-hmm. that's gonna, I think that's going to stick with us, that paranoia over mm-hmm. this. This is going to stick with us for, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the downside of it. I mean, the upside is we'll, we'll probably be cleaner people because we know yeah. how to practice good hygiene to the extreme. Mm-hmm. But, right. yeah, but to echo what Brad said, I think the industry itself, us, for making films, TV shows, and stuff. I don't. I think we would start making. We would go back to work at an accelerated rate once mm-hmm. this is over. Because you know, there's a there's stoppage of business for several months, and everybody's gonna try to make up for the loss. So I think we're gonna be very very busy once it's okay to work. Whether that goes to cinemas or to other platforms is, well, that's, that's not really, I, I don't have a definite answer for that. Besides, even without the pandemic, it was already difficult to get people to go out and watch yeah, exactly. yeah. in the theaters. Yeah. So that's it's a, like that's, a double whammy for you guys. Like, you can create, create, uh, create more films, but if it was difficult to do the production before or the distribution before, what? Well, more now, although I'm also production might not be, production might not be uh, a problem. Mm-hmm. It's getting the distribution, it out yeah. The distribution yeah. is going because everybody's gonna start making films or f- content as soon as this is done. So. I bet you though. I bet you though. Like, um, like half the films in all the uh, brilliant Cannes and Venice festivals next year. They're all gonna be about the pandemic, right? And like yeah. social. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I read a the, post the, about that. That everybody's yeah. gonna like make about well, the, the scripts that they said <laughs> to cinema one will be all about this. Yeah, it's the new poverty <laughs> porn, right? Yeah. It's the new thing. <laughs> That's true. Which is why you guys created the tapes, which is not about the pandemic, but rather about a mystery thriller. Yes. And now a show when I want a series. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So, all right. Now down to the easy, easy questions. Um, I guess I, it's my turn to ask this. Uh, what actually compelled you both to write? Since you mentioned earlier that you guys started out as screenwriters, um, film producers, and so on. Um, I think it'll be a, a question for Dodo to answer first, and then Brad. So. Sure. Yes. Can well, you share um, us to us how you started writing and what compelled? I've always, I've always been writing mm-hmm. without realizing that I was writing ever since I was in grade school because I was really trying so hard to be either a basketball player or an artist because my dad was an artist then. Mm-hmm. But I failed at being an athlete, so... I was really studying hard to be to be a good illustrator or a good painter eventually, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a course I took. I took fine arts, but I I, I majored in advertising instead of painting, and I still do mm-hmm. paint. But that's the thing that 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 was the thing that I sort of like quote unquote studied. Mm-hmm. But writing was just something I did on the side, and just I wasn't real. I didn't realize that I was doing what I was doing. Until somebody, I think it was my English teacher in high school who sort of like took note of what I wrote for an assignment. 
And mm. that was the first time somebody told me that you can write. So I mean, oh, really? I didn't know I could. I was just <laughs> having fun with it. Because I started, I started, I think I started writing like fake movie reviews when I was like eight or nine. Because I was just copying the writing styles and magazines that I was reading. So I think it comes naturally to me. Uh, that's, but I really wanted to get into film. And when I started trying to get into film, it was, I think it was around 2007. I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know how. I had no idea how to get. I thought you, you had to write a script. You had to work and you had to get a script made in Star Cinema or Viva. I didn't know that there's such a thing as indie that existed. So mm -hmm. I thought one way to get in was to write about film and maybe sort of like uh, put the foot in my door, put a foot mm -hmm. in the door. Mm -hmm. So I, that's why I put up my blog. And then, then I started meeting like a lot of filmmakers, independent filmmakers. I started hanging out with them and then started seeing their films and realizing, oh, there's this, you can make films like this. You don't have to go to a studio to make films like this. So that's, that's when the whole thing just started. But I never, I never really, I, I don't think I, I, I never went to a like script writing class or anything, mm -hmm. mostly because I'm lazy. So I'm mm -hmm. just sort of like, I'll just wing it. Mm -hmm. and, but I think I'm, I'm really, really comfortable writing. That's the, I, I don't think there's, on my end, I don't think there was a compulsion to write. I think it I just came naturally to me. Now mm -hmm. uh, all the other things that I do, like painting or write or, or drawing, that's the that's that's where I sort of have a compulsion to do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come that naturally for me, mm -hmm. and mostly I did it because I wanted to please my dad. <laughs> but the right came 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 very easy for me. Right. So. When actually when John invited me here, I actually thought he. You two were classmates because I think the <laughs> same the same time that I met your blog before when I was writing in Under the Fire Tree and I I've seen John's blogs way way before I thought you guys were classmates like that was really uh, in my like I've been reading John's right. <laughs> for a long time yeah back in the day <laughs> yes yeah. so got girls and boys we are old <laughs> all of us here are. <laughs> Some of us just don't look it. So, <laughs> so there, yeah. So, okay. Um, but, but by the way, um, I think uh, I actually thought before you also studied film. So, apparently, no, that wasn't I... your route. Um, I did. Jodo? Uh, ah, yes. It's still Dodo. But how about you, Bradley? Oh, no, Since no, no. Let's, let's, stick, let, let's stick with Dodo because I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued with his life story, too. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I told you about this, Brad. No, that's, no I didn't. I didn't. I, because, uh, no, this is, this, is, this is a real story. I told my dad I wanted to take up film school and he said there's no money in, the, in film. Mm -hmm. Because he's, he, his perception of film was uh, studio films, local studio films. And mm -hmm. he he wasn't such a big fan. So that's what he told me. And that's ironic because he wanted me to paint. <laughs> and there's no <laughs> money in Well, there is now. But there... So, so yeah, so I was slightly discouraged. And, but it didn't. And, and yeah, and, and I started taking, uh, I was, uh, the closest I came was 
because I was also, you had to take photography and fine arts. And my dad was also a photographer. So he was very happy that I was like taking photographs and stuff like that. <laughs> so that was the closest I ever got to, to yeah, to, to working with no. images. Ah, okay, yes. Photography, okay. images. But I, did, I, I didn't go to film school. I wanted to, but I, I, I didn't go. I mean, the, the first thing, the, one of the few first things I directed when I left the advertising agency was a cooking show. <laughs> it ran for a season in the Lifestyle Channel, just a local cooking show. Mm-hmm. I was co-director of mine. And that sort of became our film school because we were sort of, the, 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 the show had this like weird format where we would go to a location and we would sort of write the theme into the episode because and there was a theme in the food already but we sort of had to write a theme so we could sort of like do like we we had a found footage episode we had an episode where we tried doing long takes i mean it we were all we were just my friend and i who were directing we were just trying out these techniques so that was the closest thing i got to sort of like a hands-on film school but yeah i I did. I didn't. So I was really just super scared when I started making my first feature. <laughs> but I was, I was sort of like winging it and trying to bluff my way through it. And said, "Yeah, I can do this." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really good or interesting to say. Um, actually, that the question about you transitioning from film, uh, film criticism to filmmaking came from um, one of our other friends here, who's, who was Jim, since he wasn't really familiar with your life story. I'm a little bit familiar with your life story since we um, talk from time to time. Yeah. Um, and I get pointers on how you did the transitions. <laughs> so, okay, that's a really great um, feed or uh, input on how to, to write, yes. <laughs> so how about um, you, Brad? Uh, what compelled you to write or or what? How did you start writing? Um, I I think first and foremost, I'd say I, I'm not really a, a writer first in, in a traditional sense because I don't feel that I I up till today I still I don't feel like I have the finesse or the, the writing ability to write. Mm-hmm. But um, writing material for the screen, I think is something I'm definitely more comfortable with in terms of uh, treatment-wise or what happens in the film. Um, if I were to give an example of my working relationship with Dodo right now, because I think we've worked together on a couple of, of things so far, but the mm-hmm. tapes is really something where I think we really found our rhythm in terms of writing together, mainly more of like, I. I I know that Dodo has the skill and ability to create a world and also kind of give in the flesh of the the characters, them saying things, the nuances, whereas I would be someone that would be like more interested in what actually happens in the world. So in treatment wise, I'm able to write certain things in, in, in a form of what, you know, like plot wise, what is happening in this thing? How do we kind of push things further in, in certain ways in, in a more treatment aspect point of view, whereas Dodo is the one physically writing and fleshing out the world. And I found that kind of working relationship very, what's the word, um, optimized, I guess, Dodo? Yeah, yeah. No, like I mean, uh, like yeah. super efficient, like because yeah. I, I, 
being like the showrunners, I mean, in an American TV sense, like we are both the showrunners of, of this thing. Mm-hmm. And there being, we create the world and um, and everything in this kind of like a, the environment of, of, of the story, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, by us writing in this sense where I would try and write what happens in the scene or what happens overall in the episode and he kind of like takes it and he throws, he makes it very... Well, he makes it dodo dayao. You know, he you can feel him, he his words flowing through the characters. Um, I, I think it was great because that way we wouldn't have to you know write physically a whole page and then send it to each other and like what do you feel and we might not agree on certain things that characters would say, but you know like this way I think it's it's a very interesting way of writing, especially since I'm also directing it. It gives mm-hmm. a sense of like a detachment where. The writer, the screenwriter, can truly write what he wants to write, and then with the trust that later on, that when he gives the material to me, with the trust that I preserve the intention and the meaning, while as while keeping, you know, a certain direction going into the work. So, you know, in the writing sense, I, I feel like I'm more that kind of writer rather than the one that that's able with the ability to write the dialogue, write, you know, the, the nuances, the tiny nuances within scenes. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, acknowledging that, that I guess that's the kind of writer I am. But again, writing for film, I, I guess it's a bit different because I guess in, in our independent film, quote-unquote independent film world, we are expected to be auteurs. And auteur usually means that you are the director and the writer of your material. So the sense that you you auth, you know, you, you, you're the one that creating the world, creating the, the, the writing as well as directing the, the material and bringing it to life. So, um, in that sense, uh, I guess me wanting to create films, the writing kind of naturally just was part of it. Although mm-hmm. now, now I think uh, I would just prefer to have Dodo Daya write with me forever. But so, how how about on the filmmaking side? Since you mentioned that um, screenwriting uh, for you is more of the treatment, you're you're more compassionate and passionate on the treatment side. Yep. How, how did you start um, deciding or feeling that, huh, I want to make films? Can you tell us more about that quote-unquote journey? Yes. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've always wanted to do storytelling in terms and specifically mm-hmm. films. Um, mm-hmm. But I, when I started in Malaysia, because mm-hmm. uh, we're a country that doesn't really have a, a vibrant independent film community like in the Philippines. Right. So... When you talk about Malaysian cinema, it's either the big studio films, and we're very good at doing very kind of action films and stuff like that. And action is a very big blockbuster hit um, genre in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. But then the independent side, we are very fragmented in terms of the kinds of cinema that we do. And the community is very, very small. If you're talking about a small community here, I mean, Malaysia probably has maybe, you could probably count the number of active international level filmmakers with maybe one hand, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, if you didn't find your niche or your wavelength with, with that kind of filmmaking, you're pretty much on your own. So when like, exactly like uh, Dodo's uh, dad said he disapproved of him taking up film for college, my parents also disapproved. So I ended up doing um, international business and economics. So I'm a, I'm a bachelor of uh, <laughs> commerce. <laughs> Commerce, <laughs> which I guess like helped in the producing side of film. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but 
but uh, I've always wanted to do film. So when it came to the point where I had to, when I graduated, I realized that I would, I would need to put one's foot into whatever I wanted to do. And the only thing we could do in, in cinema at that time, not, not just in cinema, in storytelling at that time was commercial. So mm-hmm. um, again, there was no way for me to get in as a, uh, as a director because who's going to pick up a director straight out of college? So I started in camera. So I became a camera assistant and I followed in through uh, cinematography. And so that's why until today, I really still have a cinematography background. Um, uh, so I, I worked on a couple of films as uh, AD, I mean, uh, AC. And then uh, coming into the Philippines, I think that was a, a great um, entry into the film industry because coming in as, as, you know, like eight years ago, I was 23 years old. Um, I, I think at that time it was pretty pretty straightforward. Like, who is this new guy coming in? So I didn't want to step on anyone's toes. So of course, um, going in as the uh, camera department, it's basically the the most universal way of coming in because camera technical skills is is standard throughout the world, right? Like, there's only mm-hmm. one way to put in a battery. You can't be creative and have an ego about putting in a battery. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess mm-hmm. that's that's how I kind of started here, and then eventually I, I think I DP'd about two films here. I, I DP'd Rampton Sozola's um, soap opera, half of that oh. I DP'd mm-hmm. together with uh, Christian Linaban, and then I also DP'd um, those long-haired nights. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, it's a film by Hirado Kalagui. It's a LGBT kind of like a Dordain style film mm-hmm. uh, about the trans community in Burgos. And, but filmmaking wise, uh, you know, like from then on, I was able, because of the camera side, to kind of apprentice, not to say apprentice, but I, I would never think Love would ever say apprentice, but I had the opportunity to go on to shoot with Love Diaz. Um, and that's how I, I kind of got a lot of uh, confidence and, and, and inspiration on, on directing styles and directing methods on set. Third World Cinema Club. Hey guys, John here. Uh, the audio cut off for a few minutes after this. Um, so, uh, basically the next answer is to the question, did uh, Black Sheep or ABS-CBN have any creative input in the making of the tapes? So here's the answer. Third World Cinema Club. Um, I, I think it was great because usually a studio like that and, and production house linked to ABS like that, they would be very controlling of the material and they would come and, you know, give a lot of comments on the script, want you to bend it in a certain way. Again, thinking we are working with a very mainstream studio, right? And But they were the most, uh, you know, uh, cool about it. They basically they said, go out and do whatever you want. In the edit, they said, that's cool. Keep on doing whatever you want. And now the series is out. And, and I, I mean, for me, I think it's... it's the reason why the series is, is gaining a lot of, um, I guess, positive feedback and a bit of a nice traction with the uniqueness of it, because everyone seems to say that it's very different. And I think that's because um, the studio, or rather the, the people who we we answer to in, in the ladder of, of Chain of Command, they basically gave the artists the freedom to do whatever we wanted to do to express ourselves as as creators of the series without interfering you know in the creative side so i think that was it's it's really like a this 
wonderful collaboration from the from the top financing all the way down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think we we gave ourselves more notes than they gave us. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we were more hard on ourselves than they were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah it's surprising because uh, you have perception that videos can be very safe. Stuff like this. But yeah, it's just. I don't know if that was too good to be true. Also. Mm -hmm. I, I hope not, but hope still, not. Um, I think, you know, you guys have, or for this one, there are a lot of um, positive feedbacks in terms of the the screening or the first I think the first week right for yeah. for the tapes so and um same with like for example for Dwayne's she didn't really have like a um like a uh for past present perfect which is also produced by Teamscape she didn't really have like that makamasa or although the characters were very makamasa but the ending wasn't very very like happy ending eh? ending me that would actually um comply to the the normal viewership of ABS right mm, so yeah. so and, and, also, and I think it's a good thing because uh the, I mean the, the quote unquote studios are beginning to open up to alternative content alternative kinds of storytelling which is uh, great which is great for the filmmakers who who uh you know have other stories to tell Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So, um, now that you've actually uh, mentioned or talked about, or we're talking about the tapes, um, so far with the good feedback that you guys are receiving, um, so far, uh, are there any talks about creating a sequel for this? Oh, we gotta do it. I mean, yeah. come on, I won. <laughs> you've seen, you've seen the ending. <laughs> yeah. we need. We need a second season for that. We need but, double the budget. That's what we need. Double the budget. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hopefully, because everybody's locked into their phones, you know, watching not just I want but other avenues for ABS, then at least they have enough funding, maybe, right? To give you guys more creative freedom to do um, more projects like this. Hey, can I and I can I go back to it? No, I just want to say something about. Uh, I mean, we were both Brad and I were both surprised that we weren't give, being given too many notes, mm -hmm. if at all, here. <laughs> but I I think also and, and it's good that you 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 also mentioned Dwayne's film, a Dwayne series because I think coming in Dreamscape knew that Brad and I are. We're, we're, I'm probably gonna be gonna suck at trying to make a, a series that's very massa. Yes. <laughs> so nobody's gonna get me to do a rom com or to do uh, to write a rom com or to write a, 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 a teleserie or something like that because it's really not my skill set. I mean, but and I I think also in, in with regards to Brad, I think they also knew what they were getting. So mm -hmm. in hindsight, it feels like it was a very we were a very curated choice for a specific kind of project, but yeah, but it's still it's still kind of pleasantly surprising that we sort of like. But, but here's the bizarre thing, right? The, the most in, the most like crazy like positive feedback and reviews and whatever it's from the Provinciano people, <laughs> <laughs> the Provinciano watchers, right? 
Yeah. And 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 really? I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, basically the Yassi Pressman uh, people who watch from each other for Yassi Pressman, yeah, they really love the show, and oh. I and of course they are, you know, commenting more on the acting of Yassi and how she delivers her performances. But I think it's really cool that the audience of the people who normally watch Provincial are able to accept a series as a, as alternative as this with Lynchian. Themes and Lynchian mood and, and something totally they would never watch on a on a normal basis, and and still embrace it and still like things in the series. I mean, they, I'm sure they don't like everything in the series, but the fact that they they watched the entire thing and liked it, I I think that's very exciting. That that alternative kinds of of storytelling it's hitting the mass market. I think that's quite exciting for me. Okay, so um. Yes, again, guys. Uh, if you have I want on your phones, a tablet, or laptop, please do watch the tapes. Um, by the way, since you mentioned about the fans of Yassi, and um, I think uh, there will be one scene here that fans of Sam will be very surprised, right? Uh, especially the murmur part. Yeah, counting spoiler. You murmur sa umpisang like the first two episodes, I think. Um, so, and yeah, I do agree. Um, I was supposed to ask this next question about how um, people perceive cinema as a non-existent commodity. Is it commodity? The, non, the right term. Non-essential commodity. Ayon, non-essential. Dao, dao. Um, yeah. So, how, in, in your honest opinion, you two, how do you guys actually feel about that or think about that statement? Well, mm-hmm. it is non-essential compared to food <laughs> and compared to education, <laughs> compared to uh, medicine. It, it really is non-essential. And that's, I think that's what attracted me to it. I mean, we can always argue that it, like it's helping a lot of people now, not just cinema, but art in general, literature. Everybody's stuck in their homes, very anxious and very paranoid about what's going on. And the thing that calms them down is uh, watching watching a show on I want like the tapes or like mm-hmm. reading a book or listening to music so so art is essentially in general is essentially non-essential but you can always argue that it has a purpose but I kind of like the non-essentiality of it mm-hmm. I think that's what I fell in love with particularly cinema I mean it, it it's it's important in its own way but it's not essential mm-hmm. and I kind of like that I kind of like that whole fringe aspect of it but yeah if you take it literally it's compared to what are you gonna are you gonna have food to eat tomorrow do you have medicines for your for whatever's ailing you so, uh, that, it's certainly not an essential thing i mean so okay how about you brad um what do you think about that statement i mean you even i mean that, that's a question has kind of been kind of haunting me the past year like uh, I, I've been thinking about it a lot like what is really the purpose of cinema mm. and um, yeah especially you know after the, the, the reception of Motel Akasha and mm-hmm. and you know the, the idea that this film has to make money and you know I started going down this thought of like is what I'm doing really important oh, yeah. for society do we really have a, a, a role in, in in, in cinema, what is it there for? And uh, yeah, it's really been playing my mind. But uh, I guess 
like Dodo said, in, in times like these, like in, you know, when everyone is stripped down to the bare essentials, like if you talk about, I, I mean, of course, we have situations of, of extreme poverty in the country where people just, all they want to do is just have food on the table, right? But the mm-hmm. moment you put food into your mouth and you feel your belly, the human being is an is, is a insatiable character, right? We need distractions in our daily life to carry on. Otherwise, what's the point of it all? And, and the more and more that I feel like the arts and cinema and media, mm-hmm. I, you know, like we eat to survive, but what do we really live for? And, and art, I think it's, it's what really feeds. As, as cheesy as it sounds, I really feel it feeds <laughs> our, inner, our inner desires, our, our, the inner hunger, you know? And, mm-hmm. and if you're able to create things with, 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 that feeds the hunger, yet delivering certain messages, delivering certain ideas, certain philosophies, then I think it's, uh, I think what we do is valid as an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, how about you, John, as a film enthusiast? Because, like we said earlier, you're from the medical field. And yet, you know, you guys are, like, one of the few people that I know who are able to watch, like, 132 Filipino films in a year. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> you yeah. How do you do it, John? <laughs> how do you stay awake, John? How do you do it? Lots of sneaking away. <laughs> <laughs> um, for... Regarding that question, uh, I think I, I agree actually both with Dodo and Bradley. Uh, I mean, it's it's not it's not like if you don't get cinema, you die. But on the other hand, there, there's something about art in general that that speaks to us in a way in 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 a way that I can't exactly describe. Uh, that it's I guess it's if you believe in a soul, it's for the soul, something like that. So yeah, uh, so my answer is kinda and not really at the same time. Yes, that's the, that's a that's a beautiful irony, right? That's like you know you yeah. you could live without it, but can you really live without it? You know, it's that this mm. feeling of that. It, it's something that that's always lingering, right? Because it's it's a new creation, right? It, it's yeah, not yeah. something that came out. It's not something that came out of nature, you know. It's something that that we created. So I feel there's a certain sense of nostalgia and attachment to to art and media because mm-hmm. and filmmaking because it's something human beings created and therefore it's it's almost like we we feel this this unbreakable bond towards it, you know. And okay. and it feeds us the same way that that we feed it, you know. It's this strange self fulfilling uh, thing that that we create and and fills us up. Mm-hmm. I yeah. it's uh, I I see the irony as well. Like for for example, there are some really really deep films that come from countries that are more third world than ours. Like for example, Iran. You know what the the way that they make their films, it's not about just poverty or you know poverty porn, but it's more about like for example, um, a father trying to look for um, bread for his family. And then he ends up being caught up in a situation, you know. So for pe- for me, for example, me, you know, I'm not, I'm neither successful in life or whatever. But when people ask me, why are you so pushy on films? You know, you, you're not even successful in that. You're not a, you're not a filmmaker, you're not a writer or anything. And I say, 
it's not you know the essential goods but it's very essential i i would agree with you three that it's essential to the soul because you know if if i hadn't seen a film in black and white when i was 10 years old i wouldn't understand that my parents were this and that or my grandparents were this and that and i wouldn't come to realize that you know um from just from a role of a train coming towards a screen people from world war 1 were actually mesmerized and they forgot that they were hungry so somehow it's 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 essential that it, yeah also not you know <laughs> so there wow okay yeah. so john uh, please continue with the beach sounds <laughs> as we get into the gloomier and gloomier into the night <laughs> okay so uh, we're down to the last three questions right Uh, yes. So, just one more time about the tapes. Um, so again, uh, can you tell us, um, in brief, in, in your own explanation, uh, or you both separately, can you tell us more about what the tapes is, just for our listeners? The less you know, the better. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Nothing. I know we've been means. blabbering about this and that, but I forgot to ask. What exactly is the dates? So, <laughs> what exactly is it? I think, uh, well, I, I think on the surface, on the surface, if you were to market it, it's definitely a, a mystery. It's a detective mystery about a girl that went missing, and how a, a police officer gets mysterious uh, videotapes um, that seem to stalk her, and as he and his partner go down the rabbit hole in investigating or not investigating. Her disappearance. Uh, a lot of uh, creepy things start to happen, and a lot of secrets are uncovered, and a lot of horrible things start to happen. So it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you, Dodo? Yeah, it's well. Yeah, that's it's. It's a it's a it's a police mystery. It, it I mean, we 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 always when we when we're talking about it, we always say. Uh, we were influenced by like True Detective and Twin Peaks, so it it has those aspects in the sense because it's about two cops, it's about a cold case, it's also about small town dynamics, mm-hmm. very small town dynamics. I, mm-hmm. I wish we had more room for the rest of the town, but we only had six episodes. But it, it, <laughs> we were really going for that. We we're really going for something like that. Now, parang mm-hmm. uh, you meet certain. Uh, members of certain townspeople and how they're all interconnected in this weird, uh, weird little existence and this mm-hmm. weird little. It's also big, and I think it was deliberate on our end to set it in the '90s because it was also about trying to see a life before everything became automated. So mm-hmm. you had a sense of the. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if you remember. There's one scene where where. Uh, somebody said that, that they were having internet connected, so they didn't mm-hmm. have internet at the police station. So it was from the that part, yeah. that that far back in time before mm-hmm. all these things that we're used to. So it was a way to look at uh, another time, but with with so with sort of the sensibility that we have now, and that was. That was uh, Interesting. For, that was the interest. One of the interesting things that we wanted to do with it. Plus, it's found footage, and I have a fetish for found footage. So, <laughs> so that's. If I were to add something, it's quite strange because um, 
maybe this is, will interest John as well, but the series is only 25 minutes per episode. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 experimenting now in, into this form of like more uh, movie story, you know, like like TV series storytelling, like mini series where usually they do one hour series, mm-hmm. one, one hour episodes. But we verged on 25 minutes, which is mm-hmm. kind of playing on, on, on the lines of if you've seen the Netflix series, uh, end of the end of the effing world, right? Mm-hmm. If you watch that one, um, so for us doing it at that time, uh, we're like, okay, we're gonna try this new method of storytelling, new method of series writing for you know more narrative style, but have it in a shorter span, and mm-hmm. see how it kind of overfalls. But then I realized that, uh, you know, as we are talking right now on this podcast, I was I realized that. Um, Actually, it's it's kind of fitting in the '90s mold because in the '90s mold, some series were only half an hour long. Yeah. All right. So right. this could be like an episode of the Power Rangers or something. <laughs> <laughs> could be, could be. We're just missing one more. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh... All right. So we have uh, three last more questions, but these are like the bonus round questions, completely random. Um, so uh, before we go ahead with that round, John, do you have anything to add or any other questions about the, uh, their current projects? And, oh, by the way, do you guys have any current projects in the works despite these time times that you'd like to share or maybe later on? Oh, <laughs> I've been, I've been writing since December. So uh, yeah, I have a lot of things. <laughs> but I'm writing for other directors also. Uh, ah. I'm also writing something with Brad at the same time, and I'm writing for myself. It's very different uh, ways of writing when you're writing for someone else, and it also differs with the director. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm 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 working on so much stuff, <laughs> film wise. <laughs> film wise, I'm also trying to write other stuff that are okay. So. Same question that we had for John earlier. How do you guys do it if you have any roadblocks as a closing for this glooming episode? Yes. <laughs> How? Uh, what can you share for those who are aspiring writers and filmmakers and producers out there? Um, roadblocks? Budget. <laughs> <laughs> budget and schedules. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Not really, but... <laughs> deadlines. Deadlines. Deadlines are a good way of... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. Brad, did we have any significant major roadblocks while writing? No, 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 no. Because it was, I well, of course. I, I guess in general, I, I guess deadlines yeah. really help roadblocks because when you have a deadline, you physically put yourself into a in a panic state, and mm. sometimes a panic state gives you the extra push. Mm. Um, but in terms of getting through writer's block, um, I, I had the uh, I had a great honor of sitting in a masterclass by Michael Cimino once uh, a couple of years ago, oh. and uh, and I actually asked him that question. I was so terrified asking the question because he was like he was like smash, <laughs> he was <laughs> he was uh, giving a hard time to a lot of people. But I asked him the question, and he said that. Um, there's really no shortcuts. You have to wake up every morning, sit in front of your computer or your laptop or your typewriter, and you need to commit 
one hour to writing. It doesn't matter if you write nothing, you write something good or you write something bad. Yeah. But that one hour of writing cannot be removed from your daily life. And right. I guess what he's trying mm -hmm. to say is you need the routine of the writing. You need the 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 muscle memory of actually writing. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and then it will happen. Okay. Yeah. So that's the yeah. advice of Michael Cimino. But I never <laughs> follow it because... I have no discipline. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's 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 also true. It doesn't it, it just to, I don't want to demystify it, but it probably needs to be demystified. But yeah, it's really more about discipline, work ethic, yeah, true. Down, writing and stuff. But not, uh, not not opening Facebook, not opening yeah. your browser. Mm -hmm. It's There's enough, a lot of distractions uh, these days, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, my, <laughs> my biggest problem always is the first whether I'm writing a, an article or a review or I'm writing a script, it's usually the first scene or the first sentence or the first paragraph. If I don't get it, I can't make sense of what I'm writing. I can write the ending, I can write this, the middle, but I can't get it to flow until I get the first thing. It, it doesn't have to stay the first thing, but it, uh, once I get it and it's, it's enough for me to leverage the rest of the writing. And then it becomes easier. But that's not getting that first thing, whatever it is, is not easy. Not I mean, I'm all, right, yeah. it's, it's yeah. super, super difficult. Like I'm, for I'm me, I go, Brad. Yeah, no, for, no, I was saying, like, you're talking about the first, the first paragraph, right? Like, for me, yeah. I can't even write the first paragraph until I see the whole scene. I, mm -hmm. I see the first full page in my head. So, unless I see everything, I can't write physically anything. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, like you said, like that, that first thing is the hardest, I think. The last thing I wrote before the pandemic happened, before the lockdown, I was given like more, a good lead time. I was given maybe a month, a couple of months to, to, to come up with the first draft, basically. And I spent three weeks, three and a half weeks, just figuring out what the first scene was. And I wrote the rest of the draft for a week because I got the first scene on the third week. And I, it reached a point where I had to uh, not use the computer anymore. And I had to write it down by hand. Mm -hmm. I bought a notebook and I just wrote, I think, half of the script by hand. And it worked for me. It, it 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 worked. I'm not sure if it will work for anybody else or for everybody, but it worked yes. for me. But usually that everybody thinks it's procrastinating, but we're really just thinking of that first scene or that first sentence or first paragraph. We're gonna have to break down. Mm. I guess that's why you know it, the first episodes are also important because if that's the case, then so again the first one that you have to remember to get rid of roadblocks is deadlines. Um, second is to make sure that you have the first paragraph or the first page, or the it might first not scene. might not be for it might not be applied mm. to everyone. It's yeah, just, yeah. just probably Brad and I. Mm. But the tapes is a special case, I think. I'm not sure if Brad feels the same because it just came so organically. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we we like, really didn't think too much about yeah, about uh, just, we didn't think too hard about it. It just flowed. Pretty natural. Yeah. We had two meetings, but one meeting yeah. in a coffee shop, another meeting we were drinking. But that was it. Yeah. That was all we needed. <laughs> we were just running. Okay. 
But it doesn't always happen that way. Because some projects are more difficult than others. Mm -hmm. But at least you had this kind of project. Because it was really something that we wanted to do as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think things are very different when you have a certain passion and a certain obsession with the material like if you are if if the material makes you very giddy to 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 think of ideas you know like every time you hit like a cool idea it makes you feel very excited very kind of schoolboyish yeah. then i i think it's one of those projects where everything kind of naturally flows as opposed yeah. when you work on something very difficult or something very something too personal or something that requires a lot of uh you know um maybe what's the word like um like very heavy emotional investment. Mm. Those are harder to write because yeah. if you if you see sometimes in the tapes we're just messing around. You can tell like these are just two two people just kind of hanging around, and messing around, and, and and trying to create a world that's fun, not that doesn't take itself too seriously. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the hesitation with not having you know that much passion into something. That's the first. I think for me that's like the first roadblock. You know, in, in doing something. So if you overcome that, let's say you go into a project maybe that isn't really your forte. Yeah. But yeah, that's also why I, I try not to work as a scriptwriter, not as a director, mm-hmm. but I try not yeah. to write for hire. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've written for other directors, but I've mm-hmm. all, always written with directors that I, one, I, that are friends, and mm-hmm. two, that I know that I'm familiar, I have to be familiar with their work because mm-hmm. uh, I think that's the one thing that and it, sometimes, it, it, most of the time, it's really, really easy to, for me to write for other directors because uh, there's a little less pressure off because I'm not going to have to worry about mounting it and all that. So I'm mm-hmm. going to just write away. But at the same time also, since I know most of the directors, all of the directors I've written for, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm friends with them and I'm, I also know their work. I also know their sensibilities. So I sort of write to serve that mm-hmm. in a way. It's, yeah, even in something like the tapes, it's just also something that fascinates me as a, as a, as a narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was still very conscious that I was writing this for Brad to direct. And I think that that made it that makes it easier for for me as a scriptwriter. When I'm writing it for me to direct, that's difficult because I have this big idea, but already in my head, oh shit, malito <laughs> something. <laughs> you sort of like, police yourself, and I sh- you shouldn't, but mm-hmm. some you can't help it. Plus, it's also more for some reason it's also more difficult if I'm writing a script for myself to direct mm-hmm. uh, for whatever. Well, other reasons other than logistics and other than anticipating the 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 headache of trying to mount what I wrote so mm-hmm. yeah okay so John um, and Yo. thank you by the way for your inputs guys on on yeah. that part I'm sure uh, not just me and John here but everyone appreciates the the input on that part <laughs> So again, guys, uh, watch the tapes on I Want. Um, libre lang po sign up. So you guys have like six episodes in there. Uh, duration six. of each episode is like, the longest, I believe, is 25 
or 27 minutes, which was the the first Finale? episode. Oh, the first episode. Yeah, the, fir- the first episode. Ses, akala, the ko, ses, akala ko may tatanong ka kay Brad. I thought you were going to ah, ask Ah, yes, him. Brad! Um, <laughs> yes. The, the closing scenes, they have, is there not just relevance, but are they clues? The credits, Brad. The credits. Well, like like the CBBs? The CBBs, yes. Yes. <laughs> the CBBs, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Um, especially, <laughs> always watch the one at the end of episode six. That's a very important one. Episode. Okay. At the end of the final <laughs> episode, you know, when yeah. the credits roll, yeah. finish the credits, watch the yeah. last one. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I was wondering no, I, why, why I, we did it. Yeah. So I was like, and then I re rewatched the, I rewatched the whole six episodes just for the end credits. It's like, oh, okay. There's a, there's a clue. For sure. I, I mean, like, for, um, Maybe just to just a back background, like um, for for me, it's very difficult to go on set and just follow um, exactly to the letter everything the script has. Mm-hmm. I feel like there always needs to be there's always going to be magic happening around as as you are there with the actors with the camera and and things will always happen. So mm-hmm. for me, finding little moments like that is always the magic. But usually, some of the times. When you have these moments and, and when you do a, a movie that's 90 minutes long or something, you, you can't find points in the movie where you act, the, these scenes will make sense in the overall storyline because you only have 90 minutes to deliver mm-hmm. your film. But when you have a series that spans over two and a half hours or something, you suddenly find that the magical moments that you have on set, that you they come out on the spot, you realize that these things could be inserted in different places. So that, that's why when we found a couple of these moments on set, I realized like the, like the rolling credits was an opportunity to add a little bit more, you know, like, like a little, like a, a little bit of, put a little cherry on top of the cream or something, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. just add, add a little bit more intrigue, a little bit more mystique, and uh, also come up with something bizarre and cool at the same time. You know? So every episode's credits has something strange or, uh, you know, to look out for, yeah. So there you go, John. <laughs> the, watch out for the end credits. Yeah, to, to, add, okay. to, add that, uh, to add to that, uh, just an anecdote. Somebody, uh, what a friend of mine, a filmmaker friend of mine, watched the, the whole six episodes before I was able to. I only saw the rough cuts before the premiere. So I didn't see, I, I didn't know about the end credits yet. And he mm. made the reference to uh, the uh, Michael Haneke film, it, uh, Hidden, which was had the best CBB ever. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you've seen that, if you remember that, where everything was explained in the CBB. In the I have a question for episode two. Did yeah, you but, name it after a song? No, yeah, all, the, all the titles were about based on songs. Mm, no. uh, I think the first four episodes were titles were based on songs. But yeah, to get back to that, I didn't understand it yet. I thought uh, he was talking about the way we used like videotape because there was a lot of use of videotape in in hidden in that that film by Haneke. Then when I saw the first episode and I saw the end credits and I said, oh yeah, this is it. And I uh, <laughs> I, I, I I I that was that was. That was a pleasant surprise for me, Brad. <laughs> I didn't tell you <laughs> this 
Because <laughs> that was my first time to see the credits. I, I only saw like the rough cut of the, of the of the episodes before. Oh yeah, we, we we did a lot of crazy stuff there. Yeah. Of all the end credits, the one that I was creeped out that made me want to rewatch the whole, all of them with the end credits complete. The bear. Was the bear? Yeah. The bear. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, why did he do that? So <laughs> I had to repeat the just the end credits of each six. I was like. Oh. If you if you actually uh if you put the tapes on mute, play the end credits, and then play Michael Jackson's Thriller, uh, <laughs> it's the same beat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So it's like, but I, but it was really creepy, really really creepy. It was like more creepier than than Michael Jackson himself. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, so the last. Uh, three questions or bonus round questions. So I think I tried asking this to Irene William more before. And I found it very interesting. So I'm not going to ask John the second question anymore since I already know what it is. But for the first question, we can all answer um, or not answer. So um, I guess let's start with you, Dodo. Uh, from your films uh, that you directed, um, pick two of your favorite characters and why. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I, I was, I'm really, really fond of. I don't know if it's my favorite character as a part of the audience because I can never be part of the audience of my own films. So I'm not sure if I, if, if it's. But I, uh, from 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 the whole sort of writing it, writing the character, and sort of like trying to make him come to life, and sort of conceptualizing the the design of the character. Uh, the the kid from Violator was one of my favorites. I was mm-hmm. so I wish I had more time with him uh, to, in in the film. I gave him more time. I actually had more time, but I had to cut the uh, script. On the script level, I had to cut his scene, but mm-hmm. especially given Timothy's performance, so that's mm-hmm. always my, he's always been my favorite. In and ironically, he's the he's the one character that I have that I that I write by getting something for myself. Because a lot of all of those characters, I had aspects of me. Mm-hmm. The the devil character, the Timothy character, was there from scratch. So maybe I could approach. That's why I could approach him as a character and not an aspect of myself, sort of. So that's one. And I really really like the the cash cash character in If You Leave, the guy who goes home to his, his mom. At, he finds the, the the side street that leads to this new house where her where his parents live. Mm-hmm. Has cake with him. I don't know if you remember the character, the one with the beanie. So I as, because he's he's actually based on my, my on my brother. Ah, okay. Okay. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Ako hmm. Joel Lamangan. Kasi ang galing ghost. <laughs> Actually, magaling si Joel Lamangan as an actor. Yun, sabi ko. And he's very, very nice. 
super, super nice. Although, kasi given din si team, pero if I'm gonna pick I mean, one, if, if you're gonna ask me who about performances, yes, Direct Joel is up there. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, John? Uh, For me, I'll just pick for one from both. Uh, oh. From for Dodos films, I pick Joel Amangan's character also. Benito Alanas his name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was really a great. I agree that Joel Amangan's a great actor. <laughs> um, as for Bradley's film, the late. Pepe Smith playing himself and the impersonator. Yeah, that was a yeah. really great performance. Um, if you haven't watched, uh, what was that film? Uh, Waiting Graveyards, I think. Singing yeah. Graveyards. Yeah, Singing Graveyards, sorry. Yeah, that was, it's a really nice film. So. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brad. I haven't seen it. So this is like a life, a set, ano, life sentence. If I'm gonna get from the tapes, na lang. Um, Yasi is given, and also Barbara Roero. Roero? Roero? Yeah. 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 Roero, yeah. yeah. I like her performance here because I feel before that she's a very understated actress. So it's good that she was given a a chance to be in this kind of. Scene, so can I pick one from Brad's film? Brad's yeah. film. Yeah. <laughs> I seriously like uh, uh, Agot's character in Motel Akash. I don't know if it's performance. I also don't know if it because I, I I read the script before. I saw different cuts. I really I really really like that character. Brad. Thank you. Why? I I don't know. <laughs> she's like, Why? <laughs> yeah, no, she's... I know. Why? Yeah, I know. She's so that I could watch and then. <laughs> ah well, I don't know it's it's is it a spoiler to tell to tell you what she she does? But no, she's no, no. she she sort of like brokers the the refugees. She brings the refugees to the hotel for yeah. for a fee, and she has problems back home. Let's just put it that way. She has problems back home, and I really like I really like I really like her. Uh, I did when I read I read the script. Uh, like a couple of years ago before Brad shot it. And I didn't know who was playing the character yet. But even on paper, I was, she was very interesting to me as a, as a character. But when Agot... But, but, uh, but the, I'm also sort of biased because I, I really love Agot. As an <laughs> in fact, I'm trying to get... Uh, hopefully, I get to cast her in one of my films soon. <laughs> but... So that added a layer of, of like fondness for the character, even if it's a flawed character. It's very, very, very interesting. Okay. Okay. How about you, uh, Brad? Um, if you're gonna pick characters from Dodo's films. Dodo's films. I really like. Well, I maybe I haven't seen Violator yet, but. I mean, I haven't seen um, Midnight yet, but this, this, this uh, Anthony Falcon's character. Actually, Anthony Falcon's performances in all Dodo's materials are very good. Mm-hmm. So I would pick Anthony, yeah. But Violator, yeah, I just got to pick that um, the cult. I don't know if it's a character, but that freaking cult in the TV show. <laughs> yeah. can, I, can they be one character? Like the yeah. whole gang? The whole gang? I'll pick the whole gang. <laughs> The whole gang, great. They can be like one, one answer, like the gang, the cult gang. They're awesome. And then, uh, 
then and then that scene where the guy is riding on fire. What's it? What's his name? Ren. Ren's Ren. on fire. Ren. Oh Ren. shit. Yeah, ran on fire. Holy crap! <laughs> Unexpected. So yeah, the cult. Maybe the cult and and ran. Yeah, maybe. Sorry, sorry, Anthony. I had to bump you off because ran on fire. Ran on fire is way better. <laughs> <laughs> But Anthony Falcon really is a good actor. So he's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Very, very. very he's, he he studies his characters very really well. Yeah, that's why. Very easy to work with as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so um, for the second one, uh, since we're now caught up in a quarantine, in in this quarantine period, if what if it's in a different um situation and there we are now caught in a zombie apocalypse, uh, what would you guys do, um, or what's the first weapon rather that you actually will pick, and why? I'm staying at home. <laughs> You're gonna stay at home. Yeah, no way. I'm gonna fight zombies. <laughs> How about you, John? Um, have has your answer changed since the last time? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I mean, what what was John's answer? I'm curious. Um, he said that he's not. He's probably gonna die the first six seconds that a zombie arrives. <laughs> well, that might be my answer too. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, out of all of us who answered, I said I maybe I'm the the one who could strangle someone out of a pencil, because like my reflexes are very quick. Maybe because I'm an uh, I, I love al- uh, coffee rather not alcohol, so I'm very nervous nervous all the time. So I said maybe if there's a zombie that's gonna approach me, I might pierce them with anything that I could see. So John said that maybe he I I might find him as the big zombie guy. <laughs> That's gonna approach me. Mm-hmm. So, so there. How about you, um, Brad? So what? But so, but these zombies are like classic zombies, right? They they kind of like bite the dead and the dead come back to life or something. They need to be alive because yeah. I don't know why. I, I I keep seeing this image of uh Pepe Smith getting bitten by a zombie, but then he becomes like the funniest, friendliest zombie in the world. <laughs> and you know, like it'll be great, right? I mean, if if Pepe could come back or something, but I mean, as a zombie, he would just be like dancing and not really biting. But even if he bit you, he'll apologize for biting you, and then he'll just dance it off. And then you'll be like, "Oh, Pepe, oh, I'm gonna die now and become a zombie, but it's okay. Rock and roll. <laughs> That'd be great." <laughs> So wait, uh, I want to ask Brad if what his favorite character from his films. Is, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I would, you know, I I'm gonna combine the two questions. Like, if I was caught in the zombie apocalypse and I had to spend it with two of the characters from my films, I would spend it with Pepe Smith, and <laughs> and Magic and Magic Mike from magic the tapes. Mike. Yeah. Oh, magic Mike <laughs> from the tapes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Magic Mike and this. Pepe Smith. <laughs> In, so the bar, in the bar, yeah. Three of us in the bar, yeah. Having coffee, yeah. It's absolutely true. <laughs> and even in real life, <laughs> even in real life, I'd fantastic. hang out with Perry and Pepe. Thank you. Okay. Lastly, so um, during this ECQ period, what was the last offline thing you guys have ever done that you've never done before? Um, let's start with uh, you, Brad. The last of what do you mean, like the 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 last 
So thing something I just like did. um read a book, meditate, something that's not done on your phone or your computer oh. because you're in a quarantine state. So what was the last offline thing you've ever done? Ah, uh, the last like before the quarantine or right now sure. while in the quarantine. While I guess I, I guess I guess I, I now have really like unlimited time to play my daughter because before this we were just going around for meetings, doing the press stuff, doing the producing stuff. And usually we'll go out in the morning and come back at night, right? And sometimes if we miss the, the 6 p.m. window, she'll be sleeping already and we won't see her till the next day. So I guess for me, the best off thing is, is spending more time with my daughter. Last offline thing I did. Uh, I exercise inside indoors, which I've never done wow. for a while. Seriously, I used to I used to like do like cardio exercises with a tape. A tape. <laughs> Or, or a vegan. Wow. <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> since uh, since I enrolled in the gym, I was do I always do it in the gym. It's still indoors, but it's not at home. Mm-hmm. So oh, ever since and since you can't go out, you can't the, the gyms are shut, and you also sort of need to be healthy in order to survive the pandemic. <laughs> so I'm right. sort of going back to working out inside. Not yoga yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm actually reading more physical books now mm-hmm. and not using a tablet to read it because I have time. And to echo Brad's very heartwarming answer, <laughs> I, I, I don't get to spend time with my mother. I, I don't get to spend time with my girlfriend physically but we do sort of like that's the one online thing that I'm doing that I've never did which is video calls with mm-hmm. Patty have, we, we, we've Kiki. never done that we've never we've never had a sort of like <laughs> virtual relationship when she goes off to a shoot she's only gone for like three days so mm-hmm. it's never this long right. so we're establishing this routine we also watch <laughs> films uh, films together like we watched the tapes together, but mm. remote. So we right. were, we after every every episode, I'd get a text. Are you done? Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's something I've never done before. So it's the reverse of the question. That's those are online things that I've never done. <laughs> and, and this one I've been I noticed myself doing recently. Like, have you ever realized that? I don't know about you guys in the quarantine, but I've been looking out the window more. Like. I just yeah, yeah, look yeah, out the yeah, window yeah. And, and just stare at the trees just for like a good five minutes or something. And, and it's, it's, yeah. it's nice. Because before, I would just close the window or something. Oh, the light's too bright or whatever. Uh-huh. Now, I just open the window and I really take the time to, to look at the trees. As, 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 uh, as boring as that sounds, but it's quite, uh, quite yeah, that's, warming. Yeah, that's true. Before, I was, I was scared to look at the window for five minutes. I don't know why. But now it's like it's a very Who's looking back? <laughs> I feel like it's a very calming experience now because I, I live in the fifth floor, so you know it's like middle of high and low, so it's like it's in the middle. So I'm like 
okay, why am I looking at the window? But now it's like, hmm, this is nice. <laughs> yeah. But my, for me, the last offline thing I did was to actually knit. I haven't knit for like 10 years, especially with the a lot of political things happening. So what I do is I, I get my needles and I start knitting. I don't know what I'm, what I'm thinking now, but I, I, I said, maybe it's going to be a blanket or something. With yeah, the amount you? of with the amount of political stuff happening, you're gonna have like the longest blanket in the world. Yes, the world. <laughs> <laughs> super. Because <laughs> it kind of takes the mind off away if you're not gonna look at the phone for even for like ten minutes. So being offline is cool now. <laughs> mm. How about you, John? What's the last offline thing you've did? You've done? Like before the quarantine or during the quarantine? Uh, during the quarantine. Uh, offline, I, 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 have a, I have hard drives of, you know, things to watch. So I started watching stuff, recent, more stuff recently I, that I would have uh, put aside if I had not, if this quarantine hadn't happened. Uh, I guess it, it, it also ties into... Uh, the the question: What have you watched recently? Yeah. So I I've been rewatching you know Japanese dramas or just random films that I've seen before series. None that are not available streaming. Um, mm-hmm. This and I've also been reading more books, uh, physical books. I, I'm trying to write more, but I uh, I really can't find the motivation to write so far. Maybe in a few days. <laughs> yeah, I think we all have that problem now. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I only started writing today and it's already like almost two weeks into quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Well, um, oh, John, do you, would you like to share the last um, thing you've seen? Uh, how about you two? You guys, have you guys seen something aside from, of course, the tapes? Kingdom. I watched Kingdom. Kingdom. We finished the Kingdom. Kingdom, oh. the, the, the Korean zombie show yes. on Netflix, yeah. So we we it's kind of it's kind of I know because we Patty and I watched the first two episodes together mm-hmm. here in my place. We watched it before the lockdown, and we finished the whole two seasons remotely. And the first two episodes seem so far away now. I think that reality is so far away in our in, in, in yes. the past that was just two weeks ago before before I know before the lockdown but yeah I finished mm-hmm. as a great 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 show and so mm-hmm. yeah Kingdom is really good yeah very good very good very good writ- uh, very well written yeah and I've been watching a lot of like old like found footage films that I haven't seen before mm. Yeah, so I saw the Poughkeepsie tapes. I don't know if you've seen that. That's really creepy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, creepy. And, and there's another one. Uh, I watched Lake Bongo again, and Brad's actress is in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched it again during the lockdown. So. Oh, yeah, Talia. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of like found footage research for something that will. Mostly for entertainment. <laughs> okay, how about you, John? Uh, I, 
Um, well, I've the last full-length like film I've watched is uh, a documentary from 2012 by uh, Benito Bautista. It's called Harana. Oh yeah. Uh, the filmmakers recently posted the film on YouTube. It's free to watch. It's a very, very, uh, it's a very nice film about. Uh, so this is there's this guitarist who came from the from abroad after studying Western classical music. He he tries to find some of the last practitioners of harana here in the Philippines, and then they they have a tour. Uh, and when I was a kid, I really loved. Listening to you know uh, Kundiman songs because my grandmother would sing it to me, so so hearing these songs again, some of these songs again, really, it's it's a bit nostalgic and it's it's a it's it's very relaxing, considering that we're living in a very anxious you know period in our lives. Uh, additionally, additionally, it's about these artists uh, whose time had passed them by. Uh, they are really, really good at singing harana, but they didn't get a lot of recognition until until now. And they they didn't pursue their artistic uh, artistic fields because they uh, it was not economically feasible. They were poor, or they're uh, like for one of these people. His wife objected to him recording uh, his music because she had just given birth and she needed him to support the family. So other than being musicians, these guys were they, they're farmers, they're tricycle drivers. And it's, it's really fun. It's really fun and it, it, gives, it gives a one warm and fuzzy feeling to see these guys. Um, Performing their heart, hearts out in front of appreciative yes, audiences, and I, I think they after after watching the film, uh, our friend of the pod, uh, Sir Chuck Cucheres, who edited this film, he sent me a link, uh, a Spotify link of the soundtrack. So I guess maybe in the in the description I'll post that link so you can you guys can hear the the songs that were performed for that movie ako i saw ano apart from the tapes and kingdom as well i saw last night um kramer versus kramer but now i understand the references of it to uh, the marriage a marriage story although different endings different outcomes as well but yeah, I, I think I, I favor Kramer versus Kramer for some reason um, than the mar- um, a marriage story. Um, he disagrees. Ayun, so, yeah. How about you two? May nag-disagree. So, anyways. Ayun. How about you two? What was the last thing that you guys have seen? I saw... Me? I... <laughs> you know what I saw? I was really... I, I had nothing to do in the middle of the night. I watched the last Star Wars. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. What and did you think about the Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's a good thing they only made three movies. 
episode four, episode five, and episode six. It's a good thing they only made three films, right? <laughs> I mean, There's imagine enough. if they made more. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, no. it's, it's, it's terrible. I don't know. It's terrible. But the... the <laughs> The the last the first twenty minutes it's like uh, the editor is on on shabu or something, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just cut like an hour into twenty minutes. It's fantastic. I don't know how he did it, but literally the character said one word and then we move on to the next scene. It's fantastic. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but but I saw the uh, the Netflix movie uh, platform that Spanish horror uh, oh, survival yeah. film, right? It's like a uh, it's like a low budget um, Snowpiercer, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah I've seen posts about it. Is it it's not bad. It's 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 really low budget. Like you can tell they they really they they squeezed every single euro, and I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good for for what they they were trying to achieve. Super mm-hmm. super efficient. Super. And they managed to sneak in a little bit of philosophy in there, which I think is quite good, especially for the uh, for the uh, genre element they were going for. All right, it's pretty okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, again, uh, we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this special thank episode. Yeah. Thanks so <laughs> much for, for joining us, guys. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, reach- thanks for having us. Thank you as well. And um, again, I, we hope that you guys create more films despite, you know, the current um, situation. Um, and I hope that uh, our distribution efforts for films um, would improve, not just for cinemas, but to extend as well, I guess, on the di- digital side. Because, uh, for these kinds of um, circumstances, in case it may happen again, knock, knock on wood, um, in the next century, hopefully. So, uh, John, do you have any last words as well? Uh, uh, not really. Uh, I guess see you guys next time. Uh, hashtag <laughs> Jesse Pressman, please How join us. <laughs> <laughs> Joke lah. <laughs> Brad and uh, Dodo, do you have any last words? I, I think next time we'll start with uh, we'll we'll start happier. <laughs> we'll start the podcast happier. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure with um in-person episodes we will be much more happier than this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the doom and gloom kind of set the tone for the doom the doom and gloom episode. Yeah. You, you guys you yes. guys can call it the doom and the doom and gloom episode, and it, and it ended with a review of the last Star Wars film, Super Doom. And gloom. <laughs> Thank I'm you, sure guys. Thanks, thanks so much. Please watch the tapes. Please watch the tapes. Now streaming on i1. Yes. Yes. Nasa i1 yan. Yes. <laughs> it's free. Nah, the tapes you. on i1 is for free. Um, just yeah, you just have to sign up. It's yes. Six episodes of twenty-five to thirty minutes each. <laughs> yes. And uh, we're also available pala on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, yeah. soon on YouTube. When I have the time, <laughs> I have so much time, but I will do my best. <laughs> Pornhub. <laughs> yes. Yes. I might put us on Pornhub as well. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. And okay. see you Thank guys you. again. Thank you guys. Stay safe. Thank you. Stay safe, guys. Bye.
Spoiler alert! Third World Cinema Club. Says, ayan, since napanood na natin dalawa yung The Tapes in its entirety, yan, all six episodes, ano, yes. uh, mag-umpisa tayo sa'yo, ano impressions mo sa The Tapes? Um, uh, siguro, gawin natin like parang per episode. Uh, overall muna, overall. For me, quick, ano lang, for me, summary is that, yun nga, ano siya, tungkol siya sa dalawang officer na based sa Mountain Province, tapos, or somewhere in the province. Uh, very sleepy yung lugar. Um, so, uh, sanay sila sa mga small time na offenses na, or criminal acts dun sa lugar nila up until may natanggap silang tape uh, showing a girl that has been missing for three years. So, three years pa ayun, three months. Um, ah, three months pala. Uh, three months, oh, tama, tama, three months. So, yun. So, um, one tape after another, every episode um, actually shows um something that's more sinister than what they expected about the disappearance disappearance of this girl tapos yun so overall um i highly recommend this show kasi una it's very brave that they were able to write um a story that's out of the box than the usual filipino melodrama suspense thriller So there are still elements of you know the usual values that we follow na may family, may broken family ganyan. Uh-huh. Um pero what I think what makes this unique um yung atmospheric horror na tinatala niya. So although worldwide hindi naman na unusual yung parang tapes. Sorry, ayun. <laughs> hindi na unusual yung parang um found footage kind of feel, pero dito kasi hindi siya usual na horror. Um, so, atmospheric siya at its finest. And then, meron siyang mga iniiwang uh, little cues na masarap balik-balikan like yung mga end credits na scenes. Um, and hopefully, magkaroon ulit ng sequel or se- uh, second season para mala- ma-uncover talaga natin yung bigger picture. So, ayun. Um, I also like the music. Um, that, sa tingin ko, well thought talaga nilang ng buong crew nila, hindi lang ng dalawang creators. Um, kumbaga, as showrunners, kagaya nga nang sabi nila sa interview natin, as showrunners, meron, talagang kineri nila yung responsibility na dapat maganda yung pagkakagawa, na dapat pati sila natatakot. Kasi, kahit na apat na beses ko nang napanood buong season, eh, natatakot pa rin ako sa, sa ibang mga scenes niya. So, yun. Okay. Ah, uh, ano pa ba? Mm. Go, Jan. <laughs> ako. Sige. Uh, tawag dito, kailan yung setting ng film? I mean, what year? Saka ano, saan? Early 90s siya. Ano Kaya may... 1999 tao. Oh, 1999. Kaya may videotape. Mm, okay. Sige, yun lang. Thank you. <laughs> Ah, ako doon sa okay naman siya sa akin. I mean, uh, may parang ang pinaka vibe na nakuha ko sa kanya Twin Peaks, kung napanood niyo 'yun. Mm-hmm. Very influential mm-hmm. TV show. Sleepy Town, weird things are happening. Um, mm-hmm. pwedeng ma- para siyang puzzle na hindi mo completely ma-solve. I mean, may may mga parts na maintindihan ka, pero there's a lot of it that's very open to interpretation 
na very mm. kung napanood niyo yung ibang works ni Dodo it's very ano doon akma naman doon sa style na ganun para siya mm. masaya masaya siyang i-unravel kung episode by episode kung ano ba talaga yung nangyayari tapos Mm-mm. hindi siya overly serious may mga parts na na nakakatawa quirky medyo oh, darkly funny tas ayun uh, sana mat ewan ko kung kahit kung hindi siya kung hindi man siya matuloy sana matuloy siya pero kung hindi man siya matuloy in like a second season uh, satisfied pa rin ako sa outcome ng pelikula kahit na minor spoiler alert nag end siya in a very large cliffhanger. Yeah. Oh, super large. <laughs> As in, alam mo yung, may, nung isang gabi, di ba, nagkwentuhan tayo kung sino yung sa tingin natin nagdadala ng tapes. Ah. Tapos, napapanggap ako actually na hindi ko napanood syempre yung isang, eh, parang, oh, paano, paano mo naman nasabi na siya yung nagdadala? <laughs> ako nag-guess Pero, ko eh. <laughs> Oh, may... Pero isa na sa naisip ko na ang nagdadala talaga ng tapes is yung nasa dulo, uh, yung biglang nag-appear. Yung, kasi yung sabi sa ko, siya lang yung, uh, kasi siya lang yung nakakaalam ng ins and outs. Isa siya sa nakakaalam ng ins and outs nung headquarters. So, kasi kung hindi trace nung male guy, or nung basta nasa front desk, dapat someone that knows yung, yung in and out nung ano, Uh, station. I mean, nasa isip pero, ko pa rin siya, pero episode 1 pa lang, parang may, medyo tinutulak ka na na may uh, kababalaghan na nangyayari. Uh. Oh, and somehow involved siya, no? Uh, nat- natuwala ako yung... sa... Ay, sorry. Ikaw muna, ikaw muna. Oh, sorry. Sige lang, go lang. Na- natuwala ako sa mechanism kung paano uh, kung paano nangyari yung mga nangyari. Na medyo super na- supernatural talaga siya pero again like yung mga ibang uh, ginawa ni Dodo it's very uh-huh. ano uh, hindi hindi mo na kailangan explain na, na meron silang powers or merong merong weird supernatural stuff na nangyayari basta it's just there tapos uh-huh. kayo na bahalang magano yan natuwa lang ako sa ganun <laughs> Um, yun. Anong favorite mong end credit scene? Ah, uh, anong favorite kong end credit scene? I guess yung dahil yung sobrang ganda ng preceding na events, ang paborito ko ay 4. Sa episode 4, <laughs> yun yung isa sa, mm. yung nag-iisang scene na legitimately natakot ako. Episode 4. Ito ba si Michael Jackson scene? Hindi. 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 Hindi pala. Ah, yung ano. Episode 4. Oo. Oh, ako si episode 3, yung nga, yung may Michael Jackson scene. <laughs> Ay, bakit na nagustuhan? Ha? Kasi, na, ano eh, parang creepy kasi sa, creepy siya na, ayan, para siya ano, yung sa funny games, yung aware sila na, na, na may nanonood sa kanila habang ginagawa nila yung crime. So, parang kaya natatakot ako dun sa end credit scene. Kasi yung, kasi sumayaw ng thriller, parang aware siya na may nanonood dun. <laughs> Ayan, tapos yun. Basta, Jim, panoorin mo. Kasi ganun, 
may mga maganda nung may mga snippet-snippet silang ganun. Actually, yung best friend ko, share ko lang nga si Lay. <laughs> Napanood niyo yung mm. tape sa Iwan. Sabi niya sa akin, Jim, ano siya, maganda. Hindi siya yung typical na horror. Yun na sabi niya sa akin. And then, Uh-oh. na-appreciate niya talaga si Sam Milby. Totoo, and then, siya, ano, mm-hmm. and then, na-appreciate niya nga daw si Sam Milby. And nagulat siya sa pasabog ni, ano, ni Sherry Hill. <laughs> Umi-exenadora na naman ito kasi mm-hmm. yun yung naalala ko sa ano, kanina na pag-usapan namin. Mm. Tsaka ano, nakakatuwa kasi itong show na to lang ang nagpaihi kay ano. <laughs> Basta, no, no, John. <laughs> nagpaihi kanina? Kay Sam. Ay, <laughs> Nawi- eh. Spoiler alert. Nawi- spoiler alert. <laughs> Tsaka, basta, ang daming, madaming nagsismoke. Tsaka, nakakatuwa si, ano din, si Perry Dison. Kasi, very cool siyang bartender, barkeep. Tsaka, <laughs> na mukhang kinid na Additionally pala, ano ah, in fairness kay Yasi Pressman, yung end credits ng 2, episode 2, napupush up siya. Mm-mm. Ah, oo. Oh, oh. Galing, galing natin. Uh, spoiler alert, hindi ko kayang gawin yan. <laughs> Mamamatay ako. Mahirap naman talaga yun. Mahirap naman talaga yun. <laughs> Pero ang galing lang, no? Tsaka bagay pala sa kanya yung ganitong roles, no? As opposed oh, to dun sa mga teenage-teenage run. Uh, personally, gusto, gusto ko talaga si Yasi Pressman as an actress. Kung mm-hmm. sana ma-catch nyo sa sa ano, ang pambansang third wheel, nasa ano ngayon niya? Ay, oo, maganda yun. Napanood ko rin. Uh, may mga friends ako na single parents, nakuha nila perfectly yung yung ano, yung parang trials and tribulations of dating single parents. Tsaka nandun pala, parang sim na rin si Sakun. Ay, sorry, sorry. Nandun sino? Si Sam. Si Sam, kasama niya. So, parang reunion pala to eh, di ba? Oo. Ayoko nga. Sa lahat ng films ni Ivan Payawal, yun ang favorite ko. Ano, uh, Pampansang mm-hmm. third film. Ma- pangalawa na siguro yung I, America. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Ah, kay Ivan Payawal pala yun. Ah. Oh, so, anyway. So, napanood ko rin yun isang gabi. Nagustuhan ko naman siya. Natuwa kami Ay, sa... Yung parang wala, wala nung pinanood namin sa Cinemalaya, walang naka-expect na yun pala yung ibig sabihin ng I, America. Parang, mm. ayaw nga pala, no? Parang, ah, <laughs> ganun kami. <lang. laughs> oh, anyways. So, ayun. So, going back kay the tapes, um, ay, yun, any last words about the, ano? Um, sana matuloy. Okay siya. I mean, it's, kung para it's setting a standard na rin na sana ganitong ka-quality yung film, ay hindi naman filmmaking, television, series making na. Oh. In fairness, oh. I want talagang nag innovate sila. Kung para mm-hmm. sa mga napapanood natin sa TV, very formulaic, very, alam mo yun, parang hindi ganun kataas yung production values, pitupit, mm-hmm. pitupito daw eh, no? parang ginawa lang <laughs> sa isang linggo. Pitupit. Pitupit. <laughs> Correct. Tsaka ano eh, marami pang ibang story kaysa yung, yung usual na ano eh. There are a lot of stories to uncover. So maganda na, tinatry nilang mag-think out of the box tapos mag-create ah. ng ganito kakulit. 
quality na film. Ana, series. Ayun. Sino nga ulit? Parang... Mm. Sige, ikaw muna, sis. Ay, parang ngayon lang tayo nag- nag-review ng ano, no? Ng series. Ah, uh, oo. Meron tayong isa pang I want na na-review previously. Kami-kami yon Pero hindi ko pa ah. na-review. Oh, oh. Isasabay ah, ko okay. na lang basta later on na lang. So, may, may, may oh, oh. Pag nililis na yung sequel, magkaka-second a- a- series na yun. <laughs> Ayan, sige. Yun lang. <laughs> oh. Naman. Sana marami pumunood. Uh, watch out for na si Pressman. May hinis kayo kay ano dito? Sino to? Si Brian... Brian C. Uh, oh, Brian C. Si Brosnan. Ay, ito. Si Bronson. Bronson pala. Bronson. Bronson. Here's Bronson. James Bond. James Bond. <laughs> kay Bronson. Tapos, Perry Deason. Gusto ko siyang, kaya sinabi ko na gusto ko siyang character sa lahat ng, ano, ni, hindi ko pa napanood ibang movies ni Bradley, pero si Perry Deason, yun. Galing siya dito, in fairness. Tsaka pala may, ito, medyo spoiler alert, may feeling ako dyan na kasama siya dun sa, parang siya yung headed horseman, parang gano'n. Sino? Si Perry, si ano, si Magic Mike. Pero, sino di, naman aking, di ba alam na natin kung sino yung, ano, yung taong may head yung, na uh, animal? Hindi, hindi siya pinakita. Pinakita kaya siya? Saan? Panuri mo ulit episode 6. Talaga, ano? <laughs> ah, episode. Sige, sige, sige. Teka. Ah, hindi. Oo nga. Si ano pala yun? Oo nga, oo nga. Pero yun. hindi. Oo, oo. Naalala. Pero yun, <laughs> kung nakinig kayo dito sa episode na to, hopefully, ano, basta panuri nyo blind, as blind as you can. Um, yes. <laughs> Tama. So that's all, folks. Thank yeah. you for listening. Yes. Thank you. May mga pa mga episodes na yeah. <laughs> And yes. guests. So okay. see you next time at Third World Cinema Club. And bye. Yes.